This is how it's going to start. Stare whatever you want. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just go ahead and stare at me. I don't care. I don't care if you stare. Sit down and uh, sit. You're just staring from a chair. I mean, unless you want to turn your head significantly to another side, but that's not going to work, is it? So uh, here we are. This is the start. This is the beginning. It's the top. It's the tip. It's the um, the laces on the boot. The uh, click on the track. The tip of the spear. Um, maybe it's not so much the tip, but it's it just past the tip of the spear. It's like, oh god, I got shot. I got a spear thrown at me. Do you say shot? You get hit with a spear, or is it like you got plunged? You got you got uh, you got knackered with a spear tip. Hey everybody, welcome to Live to Tap, also known as Live to Tape, also known as Live to Tape, also known as the Lab to Tap. Also known as Lave the Tape, better known as Daddy's Big Red Truck. Here, Daddy's Big Red Truck. Here on the Executive Buffet. My name is Kevin Tipcorn, also known as Jason Pepperhouse, also known as Big Ben's Electric Fins Splashers. Big Ben's Electric Fins Splashers. Thanks for being here. This is a fun time. This is the Executive Buffet, where you are picked up and dropped off and waited on only by the truck called Daddy's Big Red Truck, an exclusive truck available to this outfit only. This is the Executive Buffet. This is the ground upon which Daddy's Big Red Truck wins and loses and takes everything uh, and transmutes it into powerful powder magic. Here we are, a great podcast for you today. Superb one. If you're here for the first time, thanks for being here. Uh, it only gets weirder from here on out. If you want to engage in a deeper level, it's patreon.com slash live to tape. That's patreon.com slash live to tape. That's patreon.com slash live to tape. To tape. To Soon to be just the executive buffet. And that's how it works. Uh, we're going to be transitioning to the name Executive Buffet. Also going to be transitioning to making the podcast uh, available on video. And uh, some other stuff. But, I mean, those are big steps, right? Those are huge, big old steps. But we also have all kinds of great stuff available on the Patreon. Like I said, patreon.com slash live to tape. Um, putting up some new mixes there. And also, 
some new uh, solo podcasts. Check me out on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv and type my name, Johnny Pemberton, in there. My name is currently a name that's going to be changed, but if you type in Johnny Pemberton on Twitch, you'll find me. Come on by. It's a really fun time. We love it. We have a great time. Everybody does a good job and has a sweet, cool time, okay? Come on by. Hang out. Right now, we're listening to some music by Salam Abdallah and the Cuban Marimba Band. This is um, a record I picked up at one of my favorite record stores in America. It's called Mississippi Records. It's in Portland, Oregon. I got that on when I was on this tour I just got back from, which was outstanding. If you came out to any of the shows on tour, wow, you're just great. I talked to a lot of you. Uh, some of these shows were just absolutely incredible, especially after being... Uh, being off for so long, being like, you know, in hibernation, being an extended, unintended, extended and unintended is a new, that's my new phrase, extended and unintended. It was an extended and unintended break because of the, uh, the virus, because of teh virus, which we, no one liked. But these shows were just like a massive, incredible, like, like when you see one of those uh, automatically inflating life rafts that just explodes to the surface after someone pulls a, a cord and it just shoots up to the surface and unfurls and like flips out or like those those inflatable slides on an airplane where they just explode out because they have this pressurized air thing that, that explodes them. That's what I'm talking about. That's how the that's how the tour was. It was exceptional. It was just so cool to be back out there again, like seeing people and. Uh, I mean, it's very strange, a very strange feeling, but it didn't take long to get back into it again. It's also strangely exhausting, too, just to be, after having such a, a long time off and doing this thing, which is, which is exhausting in and of itself. Touring is, like, the most exhausting thing ever. But then to do it now after, like, this weird, this muscle is just kind of an atrophied. Man, it was fucking great. That was fucking cool as hell. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody who came out and hung out and just let it out and let it in and let the, the bag explode under the air pressure. I've been reading so much, so many uh, books about sailing lately. And like, I'm reading The Perfect Storm. I'm also reading some other, I'm watching all these videos about sailing and stuff. It's just like on my mind, all this like sailing rescue shit. It's all my analogies are, all I can think about is, is pararescue swimmers and stuff like that. Okay, everybody. Okay, everybody. Okay. My guest today is a wonderful guest. We've been long overdue to have him on the podcast. Alex Hooper, an incredible comedian, super bold, super innovative, super weird, and just like always on his feet, literally, because the guy is like a professional slackliner. Oh, my God. What an interesting man. Please be sure to go see him. He's probably coming near you because the guy tours like like a fucking like like the Gulf Stream. I feel like the Gulf Stream doesn't touch as many places as Alex does. I am envious of his energy and uh, we had a great discussion. Here he is. The man. Alex Hooper. Yeah. Too. He's got a career. Immediately into the zone. Cracks. 
huge beers. Massive beers. Alex. Johnny. Hey, man. What's up? Welcome. Thank you. Cool to be here. Yeah. So you have a Korean pug? I do. Yeah. What do you, mean you got it from Korea? Yeah, well, there's this group called Pug Rescue of Korea. Right. I didn't actually go to Korea, but there is a group over there that rescues them from slaughterhouses and meat oh, factories damn. and brings them over here. And it's like, hey, Americans, instead of eating these, what if you loved them? Pugs and seem like something that would be, uh, how could you do anything but love a pug, I feel like? They're a very polarizing dog. Really? I mean, a lot people either think they're the cutest thing they've ever seen or the ugliest, ugliest? little alien creature that has ever walked the face of the earth. And uh, I don't... You've yeah. met people who don't like pugs? Sure. Yeah. I know people who have like whole bits, like 10 minutes on like how a pug's not even a real animal. Like Who's that's this? not a dog. Um, Sam Comro specifically has really? one. And I can't... He's like... He did it with me in the room one time and afterwards I'm just like staring at him like, oh really? Is that what you think? Yeah. He's like, come on, man. You know what you got at home. Also, he's doing it as like a... It's a bit. Yes, not, very he, much. He doesn't so. really feel that way. No, I mean very much. I mean, you know, I've I've made my jokes about animals I don't like on stage before. Yeah. So yeah, they're all just jokes. Damn. Usually. How did you get into pugs so much, dude? I don't like. So I didn't even want a dog really. Right? But then you know, I was out doing stand up every night, and my girlfriend was just like, "Hey, well, I'm not the one. You're not the one who's home alone." Every single night. So she wanted a pug. So she wanted a dog. Right? And she was like, what if, what dog would you want? And never having a good relationship with a dog, I just thought like, well, what's funny? Yeah. And pugs are funny. And then we started looking at them and we realized they're so sweet. They're so tender. Yeah. They're absolutely hilarious. They have very distinct personalities. They do? Yeah. Like the pug, the breed pugs do or your pugs are both? No, I think like the breeds do. Right. Like they, um, so, cause I have two and the first one I got, he, we got him when he was 10 weeks old from Mexico and he has all the energy in the world. Like he immediately took after me and was like, I'm just going to charge around yeah. all day and be this. He's a freak of nature. He's seven and a half years old. He still climbs Runyon like, and just like speeds the whole time, just right. runs through it. But then the other one, the Korean one. Is just the chillest, most zen little animal you've ever met. She just like sleeps on pillows all day, right. never has weird energy. So together, they're a very nice balance. They're not working dogs though, right? Um, well, they? they no, they go to Wall Street every single day. They take the train <laughs> into town and they go. I mean, they're like, but they're uh, what were they bred for? Royalty. Lap dogs. So they are lap dogs. They're meant to just chill. Yeah, there's this really crazy fact that I think, I'm pretty sure it's a fact. I've read it in a few different sources. But that so a perfect pug will, the wrinkles on their face Ooh. will have the symbol for a, for a prince. For not like the prince symbol, like, you know, like the male, female, like artist formerly known right. as. But just actually like a prince. And if they got the perfect pug, you could look at it and it would have a royalty stamp basically wow. on its face. Is that, are they Chinese or where are they from? Yeah. Chinese. So, so it's supposed to look like a Chinese character? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, very much so. That's how, like, I want to what that looks like. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly. I've, I, Chinese I mean, I've character up, for Prince? I've looked it up before. Really? But I can't remember exactly what it looks like now. That's funny. I got to look this up and see if it comes up just now. Man. Yeah, that's such a, I mean, and I just, I fell in love so quick. It I doesn't mean, take much, because look at that. See that? 
That's kind of just some some lines. It looks pretty. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's, it's easy to say. Yep, it's there. Anything could be misinterpreted as that. As prints, you can like look at it in a piece of toilet paper, probably, and see it. <laughs> yeah. and see like, oh it's, yeah. It's like how people see Jesus in a cracker all the totally. time. Totally. Like whoa! Like that dog has a royalty symbol on its face. Yeah, it's like Jesus. My dog is Jesus because I can see it in her, in her spots. Yeah. See Jesus Christ's face. That would be cool. I'm surprised that hasn't happened more. Like we have like a dog that has like, you can see Jesus in the fur. Somewhere there is a Messiah dog in a little town yeah. outside of like Greece or something like that. Everyone prays to this one animal and they just take care of it. Mm-hmm. They give it all their riches and everything. Oh my God, that'd be great. Or if it's like, actually, oh, it's Hulk Hogan. Because it looks kind of like the same thing if you think about it. Hulk, they both have this sort of handlebar mustache thing. Yep. Like the, the Jesus in Toast. You could say, oh, that's not Jesus, it's Hulk Hogan. That's Hulk Hogan, brother. That's all it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your religion? That's his secret. He was just doing Jesus' thing the whole time and never told anybody. Yeah, and uh, somehow we none of us saw that Jesus was also super racist. And... Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Hulk, he's that way? Yeah. See, there's so many things that I um, am happily ignorant about, and that was one of them. And now you've ruined it for me. I'm very sorry. Yeah, he, uh, he had some N-word bombs a couple of years ago or something really? like that. Really? Oh, wow. So it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, he... Uh, yeah, what's... I, well, I was about to say he got Me too but no, he got... Uh, I don't yeah. know what the racist version yeah, of that got, is. Yeah, he got... Whatever. Jesus Christ. Hulk. I met him one time many years ago. Like, probably 15 years ago, I met him. I was doing, like, red carpet stuff for uh, Fox, um, for Nickelodeon. And he was, he was on the red carpet... I did research because I knew he was going to be there, and he was asking all the—he's answering all the normal questions, just like just standard. Yeah, it's this, it's that, and then I said, um, something like I think I said, uh, Florida Gulf Coast beaches underrated, and he was like, "Wait a second. Like he was about to give like just a patter answer. He's like, "Wait a second, man. Where, where, how do you know that? What are you talking? Because I <laughs> know he's from like Clearwater or something on the Gulf Coast." And yeah. Like, He's yeah. like, I'm a St. Pete man, brother. <laughs> he's, he's definitely, a, yeah. That was my one moment with, with the Hulk was talking to him about that. And that's that's about it. That's Isn't it. it so fun in those interviews to throw them off with a question oh, yeah. that they would never expect? I've done that. Um, for years, I've written for my friend Craig Gass. He goes to the Super Bowl press every press okay. event every year. And he has me write him questions that like just break the players open. Because every single reporter is there. They're major journalists. Like, so how does it feel to be in the Super Bowl? And everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's great. It's my dream come true. Oh, I've always wanted to be here. Uh, it's an exciting time. So yeah. boring. And so I write him questions. Like, you know, he'll go up to a running back and be like, hey, man, what are you really running from? And they'll be like, what's going on here? Like, hang on. And so last year I actually got, or in 2020, I actually got to go to the Super Bowl press event and do all these like interviews myself. And it was so goddamn fun to just watch all these boring ass interview people trying to get their question in. And then we get one and they're just like, you know, asking like, hey, when your dick fell out when you were running the 40, was that a big moment in your life? Or is this bigger? You know, like stuff like that. This is 2020? Yeah, the, so January 2020. So that oh, so it was before COVID. So you right could have before. fun. Yeah, still, yeah. it wasn't like a the weird distance thing where you're like. No, nobody. That was yeah. still when it was just like it was like man, I'm going. I started the year by going to Hawaii, getting engaged, and then I went to Miami for the Super Bowl, and I was just like, man, this is the year. You know, like every single one of us, just yeah. like here we go, 2020. It was actually a really good year at the beginning for me too. I was like, I'm doing a lot of really cool things. I'm excited about. It's funny how that works. It's almost like that classic saying was that yeah, life is what happens when you're making other plans kind of thing. It's yeah. Like we just got, we all got fucked over. And so many people I know had things 
just ready to go. And it's like, oh, well, you're not doing it now. And also it might not even happen at all because the momentum goes away and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a weird, just like the, the pivot of all of it was so weird. Because I literally went from working a regular job, doing stand-up every night, traveling all the time, to just like nothing. Mm-hmm. And then it was just all day, like, what do I do? with myself and I literally just started just like I was more I was more relaxed last year and I still have fed that into this year than I've ever been in my life well how how did you how did you accomplish that what did you end up doing exactly I mean a lot I started playing tennis Um, we started like some comedians started a comedian tennis club so I started playing (laughs) tennis because we were socially distanced and it was just like super fun I was slacklining all the time okay I was meditating I was just like making reading books writing every day just getting stuff done because I actually had a really fucking good year really like unapologetically, I mean, I got. Well, I you got, shouldn't apologize. There's no reason to. Well, yeah, I mean, it's weird. To, that's what I tell. I don't want to apologize, but some people are like, oh, you had a good 2020. Well, good for you. And I'm like, okay, you could have had it too. Like, yeah. We all, the thing about like 2020, when people are like, so many people have died, people lost work. I'm like, but that happens every year. It happens all the time. I didn't lose any more friends last year than I would have in a given year, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know? Yeah. But so, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I got on, I got back on America's Got Talent. I released a special. I wrote and released a book. So like I did, and the whole time I just felt like I was doing nothing except just relaxing every day. So from the outside perception, they're like, wow, you did so much in the pandemic. And I'm like, I did. I think I was meditating like three times a day out of boredom. What do you think? Because obviously if you're being, (laughs) (laughs) if you were super active, you kind of been totally relaxing. Maybe it was something where it's like, was just what? What do you think it was that you weren't doing or you weren't worried about that allowed you to do all those things and feel like you were doing nothing? I think well, not going to my regular job because for like okay. eleven years I worked at Universal Studios as a ticket seller. Got it. I was uh, I used it for health insurance because they let me travel, go on the road. It was right. one of those jobs where I always wanted to leave it, but it was too cushy uh-huh. for me to really make the jump. And when the pandemic happened and I didn't have to go anymore suddenly that was seven hours of my day that was back. And I wasn't going out and doing shows at night. So like, even though I was doing Zooms, I wasn't like spending the time driving and going anywhere. So I just had so much goddamn time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, how do I fill up the day now without just like being a lazy piece of shit who sits around and just gets smokes weed every morning and just ruins the day? And I was like, I have to take care of my body and my mind. And Mm -hmm. I told myself that in the beginning, come out of this stronger and healthier in every way you possibly can. Damn. Because you know, remember those first two weeks when we were just all at home and we bought the whole grocery store out and you yeah. were just like, you'd open your fridge, you'd be like, whoa, I have everything. Yeah. And we were all just getting fat, fat, fat. I was like, okay, this can't continue. I gotta, I gotta like put a hiatus on this immediately. So you just sort of uh, do like a big lifestyle change kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, I've always been active, right. but I, f- I had to force myself to really like go deep inside and be like, mm-hmm. do not fall back into depression, yeah. into anxiety. There's nothing you can do about this right now. So what can you do to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and the people around you? And I just ended up being productive as much as I could but still spending so much free time that I never had in my life. That's so cool. Yeah, because 11 years is a long time to be doing the same job. And it's definitely... <laughs> in LA, that's like, I'm such an anomaly that I stayed there. But the thing is, is like people, I made good money doing it. And for what it was, it was such an easy, mindless job. They let me go travel whenever I needed right. to. So it just didn't make sense to 
leave right. it. Why do it? You don't have to. But the same day, the very last day I worked was March 14th, 2020. Mm-hmm. And it was the same day I auditioned for America's Got Talent that season. So it was you literally... you done it before then? I had done it once before in okay. 2018. And then so I got came back this year and did it again. But so it was so funny because the last day I worked was also my AGT day. And it just kind of fed into like, like maybe like three months into the pandemic. I was like, I was like, I can't go back there. I can't right. go back to uniform. I can't. I thought about like putting on the uniform again yeah. and looking at myself in the mirror, looking like a flight attendant that's about to do salsa instructions or something like that. Mm. And I was just like, I can't. I will feel like such a colossal failure if I have to put that thing back on. Yeah. And I just realized I was like, from now on, no, I'm just gonna figure out how to be. I'm, I'm far enough along in this. I can figure out how to be a comedian now. Yeah, that's a big thing. I think that's a big thing. I, mean, I remember when I got fired or not fired, I got laid off. Um, if it was fired, we'd have a cool story, but there's no cool story. I just got <laughs> laid off because it was a big company and they just had to realize like, oh, this entire department doesn't do anything. We shouldn't have them. <laughs> so they got laid off. But it was like, I remember a comedian friend of mine, an older comedian, being like, oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. This is the best. There's nothing better because now you can collect unemployment for a little bit. So you've got some money and you can just do comedy. And it's like, yeah. it is, it turned out, the, the further I get away from it, the more I'm just like, my God, that was so lucky to get laid off. Like, what an amazing thing to happen because it just really, like, it, didn't, it made the decision for me because I probably would have, I don't know. It's so hard to um, to make that decision. You need that kick in the ass sometimes. I remember oh, when I, I was definitely like, do. When I was maybe, like, three years in, um, I was talking to Kyle Kinane, and I was, like, I was like, how do you know when it's right to leave your job? And he yeah. was like, you'll know and do not do it before that, yeah. you know? And like, he's saying, Oh, Alex, here's the thing. You gotta know what's yeah. going to win. It's right for you. Like, yeah. And I was just like, okay. And it's so funny that I knew 2020 was going to be the year I left. I just mm-hmm. didn't anticipate the why? reason yeah. why. Um, so yeah, I really needed that. And I was so fortunate because I, had, I, since I never quit that job, all my comedy money that I'd made on the road and doing, you know, show corporate gigs, stuff like that. I had just put in a savings account for that inevitable time when maybe I booked like a TV show for three weeks and I would have to quit my job, but then the money would go away yeah. and I would need that in between and then I just happened to book a Super Bowl commercial that same year too it started paying me in April so that's when I was like oh financially I'm fine yeah so now what do I want to do damn man yeah that's crazy you have all these things they just they're like it's almost like you have like this playbook well what is your book though so I wrote this book in uh, called "Roast Yourself to Happiness." Okay, it's a the tagline is a comedian's guide to embracing joy by or by to finding joy by embracing your flaws. Uh-huh. So basically, I taught I teach people through a twenty eight day workbook how to write roast jokes about themselves to take the power and the judgment away from other people. Wow! So like basically, it's learn to love yourself by hating yourself. How did you come about with come about with this? So I wanted to write I wanted to write a book of some kind but I knew I wasn't ready for like a novel or anything and so my fiance was just like what if you did a workbook and I was like I don't really know what that is like I'm not in elementary school anymore and Mm -hmm. she showed me this like she does these courses where she has these workbooks where every day there's a concept and then an activity or an exercise and she was like this would be so easy for you to write and I was trying to think like well what could I write it about I'm very I love the self-help world but Mm -hmm. I just think it's also so boring at the same fucking time it is yeah it's every person 
and dry. What, yeah, and what I realized is every self-help book is literally just a combination of the self-help books that that author has already read and mm -hmm. just putting them together. So I've read enough of these and like kind of gnarled my teeth through the boring shit where I was like, what if I made this fun? What if I wrote this for me when I never would have fucking read this? Right. And that's when I got the idea of like, well, the roasting thing is such a it's become such a part of my world like kind of accidentally but I mean that's just what it is mm -hmm. and people know me for it so I was like okay let's just show people that they don't we don't need to take this seriously. This will, yeah. this will help you, but this is going to be fucking fun. I mean, the opening line to the book is, hello, underachieving shitbag. <laughs> you know? Yeah. like, And so if you just read that first line, you're like, okay, I know what I'm in for. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I make people like really face harsh truths about themselves that we try to hide and we try to get in, you know, get behind and never show people. And I'm like, if you just own this about you, nobody will ever make you feel shitty about it again. That's a good point. Yeah, because if you just, if you look at yourself in the way where, I mean, it's, some of those things are that way, like all that David Goggins stuff is like that. Yeah. He just is like, you just have to face who you are and be okay with it and move past it or uh, improve it, like yeah. fix it. And, then, and just, then run 290 miles naked through yeah. the desert and you know, you'll find yourself, I promise. He's definitely a different <laughs> character, but I feel like the, oh, he's, he has good kernels of, of wisdom. Yeah. Sometimes the stuff is like, Dude, also, I'm not, I'm not running from a, a crazy abusive dad, so right. it's a different thing. I don't have to run as far. Maybe I don't have to run literally. I can. My running is something else. It's like a thing where... Yeah, I try, yeah. I try to tell people that about like self-help books. I'm like, you're not reading it to change your life. You're reading it for literally maybe two to three points per book that you will take away and perspective. be like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, that that's better for me. Okay, now I understand right. how I can utilize that going forward. So that's all my that's all my book is, just filled with all these little nuggets of just like stuff that I've picked up along the way of just like, you know, how to be a better human being and how to make yourself feel better as you move about your day. Cause dude, I used to fucking hate myself. So I went through so many years of bitter self-hatred and all that, and it's just not fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's that's the key word there, is not fun. It's yeah. a thing where it's like Sometimes that sometimes that's the only way I get out of stuff. I get out of a funk is just being like, wait a second, this feels bad. <laughs> like it just like this is this is not fun. This is not like an enjoyable flavor of ice cream. This is like eating like frozen shit. And it's like, why would I do that? Why would I do the thing? I know there's so a unpleasant. wonderful yogurt shop right next door. Exactly. Yet you walked into the frozen shit door and asked mm -hmm. for a double scoop, and they were like, "You're gonna hate this," and you're like, "I like, know." Yes, I deserve it. I deserve <laughs> to hate it. Yeah, and dude, somewhere like people know me as such a positive, like fun person, mm -hmm. but that took shit tons of fucking work oh, yeah. to get myself there, where I had to stop looking at the universe as conspiring against me and start being like, "Dude, just you know, this is the hippie part of me." This just like just love everybody man just mm -hmm. like take whatever drugs you need and go out and dance in a field bro but like be a good person and i wasn't for so many years that now it's easier to see how much progress i've made what did you know where it came from is it like a, a specific thing or was it just sort of like a like my turn like like from going like from shitty to like like positive well what made you have all the darkness is so there, was there may, something in your may, life? Yeah, mainly 
I have one of the worst cases of eczema on the planet. Like my doctors have told me that there is only a few hundred people in the world that have it as chronic and consistent as I do. It's pretty, pretty lucky the way it's, you know I mean? that's it's the like, way that's the way I do it. That's it's rare. Yeah, no, that's what I always tell people. It's like if I'm gonna do something, there's no moderation yeah. here. I'm gonna fucking do it and I will be one of the only people to do it. So that's the thing with my eczema too. And my whole life though, so I'm like my it's skin, very difficult. Dude, it's just Nobody understands unless you have like when you're an eight year old child mm-hmm. and your skin is broken open in so many places, it's infected, there's pus like oozing out of Man, you. That's I tough. mean, really fucking gnarly. I yeah. like I like I say that like I used to look like a hot dog that was run over by a car <laughs> and I would just walk around like a mangled piece of fucking shredded meat. Damn. And people I knew like this is where like my anger came from but it's also where my defense mechanism of joking and roasting came from too because I had to defend myself in Mm -hmm. these situations but dude when you're skin when you're a child and you're just on fire and discomfort is ruling your life it's very visible too Oh, so visible. You can't like just ignore it. You can't hide it. Can no, yeah. it's it's everything about it just fed into me being angrier and angrier mm-hmm. and looking for alternative sort. I mean, honestly, it's why I think I turned to drugs at like an early age and nothing, never like hard. Like I was never doing heroin or anything, right. but I was seeking out pot when I was 12 years old wow. and stuff. Just because I was like, I just want something to make me feel anything else other than this. Yeah. And so it took, I mean, so many, there were so many years of that. And then it did eventually get better with time and different medications, mm-hmm. like revolutionary medicines came out. I mean, right now I'm on an injectable. Oh, biologic? What do you mean? Is it like Humira or something like that? Uh, close. It's called Dupixent. But yeah, okay. like every two weeks I basically just have to stab myself in the stomach with this. You do it yourself? Yeah. Nice. It was in a... your stomach or just in just in skin? Like in the subcutaneous. Okay. Like you hold on to your stomach. Not like a rabies stab. shot from the 90s. Or no, the 80s. nothing like that. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> I had to do it myself because like when the nurse showed me how to do it, she's like, if you have a girlfriend or something at home, she could do it. I was like, I'm not putting this on her. Yeah. Like I can't go home and be like, so I went to the doctor and they said, now you get to stab me every <laughs> two weeks. Aren't you excited? Damn. And she would have done it, but I didn't. I wanted to. I didn't want to put that on her. And it's. I don't know if you can do it. It's kind of cool. There is, dude. I'm not. Every single moment, there's a little bit of terror, and I really feel like there's that Aaron Ralston, like 127 hours, where it's like you got to do this, man. It's the only yeah. way to move forward. Cut off their fucking arm, and all I'm doing is putting a tiny little needle into my skin. But still, when you do it. There's still a part of you that wants to hesitate and not just jam it, but if, if you hesitate, it's going to end up hurting. Yeah, that's because uh, that's it's considered an autoimmune disorder. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. There's so many though because I you know I have colitis. It's a very it's a similar thing. It's in the same family. They treat it with a lot of the same drugs. Yeah, that's interesting. I've just never. I, I mean, I knew those were. I know people who've taken those. I never have. I think they weren't around when I was uh, having a lot of problems with it. Yeah, but this I mean, has only uh, been around for, I think, three to four years, this medication. Okay. Wow, so it's, crazy. it's pretty new. And before that, I was on basically what they give to chemotherapy patients. Really? Like this what? Drug, this drug called methotrexate. Ooh, and that sounds bad. I know, right? It's just got, it starts with meth, which is never yeah. a good thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, they basically, they were like, you can take this for two years. You cannot drink um, because it, this is destroying your liver. So literally two wow. years is all you get on this. Is it like a form of a steroid almost, isn't yes. it? Yeah, okay. and it's really it's not good for you. And so Dude. I took it, but then luckily, like right when I was ready to go off it, this other drug came out. Wow! And the, 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 it's called Dupixent, and that's the one I inject myself with now. Oh yeah. So yeah, dude, just just fucking hardcore every every day. How does that work? Do you have like a um, 
like a syringe that you, you they use they them? send them to me pre pre ready to go it's like a yeah package they're, yep they're loaded there's two syringes I get well once a one a box a month and uh, I'm very fortunate because I have a health plan mm-hmm. where it's free right. for me. this is the dumbest thing about health insurance is they were like this medication costs thirty seven thousand dollars a year and I was like okay then I'm not taking it they're like well what would you be willing to pay and they were like how about 500 every three months and I was like no and they were like and then they came back they're like what if it was nothing and I was like okay couldn't we have just started what do you Are mean you serious what company is this <laughs> it's called um the, it's called Lumacera Health Services and God, they basically dang. they find loopholes in insurance to be able to get you this stuff for free but it was just so I was like wait a minute so you're trying to get money out of me and seeing what I yeah. will say yes to but then you eventually just go to zero and just go that's fine <laughs> like that it's, shit is our, fucked. Our whole system is so just, it's destroyed. Because it doesn't actually cost $37,000. That's a, that's a price they've established as a price you charge uh, an institution. Right. Because the institution doesn't actually pay that price either. It's what they charge the insurance company, which also doesn't pay that much because they're the people, it's like this weird thing where there's just a price that exists somewhere in space and it's something that gets said out loud sometimes and people are like, what? It costs that much? It's like, well... You know, money isn't real and everything, so (laughs) it doesn't really cost that much. It just sort of kind of does because we said it once and then someone else repeated it. And someone, all it takes for something to cost something is for one person to pay that much one time. Yeah. It's like if I sold like this fucking empty can of sparkling water, like if I sold it for $20,000, it's also like, well, I guess those are worth $20,000 now because we've established a precedent for, for price. Did you see that fucking dick that sold an invisible statue a few weeks ago? I heard about it. For $18,000? And they're it. like, it's not about the statue. It's about the idea of the statue. He wins. He wins. He of wins. course he wins. Because I'm like, like, what? But I want to know the dumb asshole that was like, I need this invisible statue in my home. And like, you know, people walk into the house. He's like, watch out. There's an invisible statue there. And you just knocked into he it. He probably didn't even buy it. It's probably like uh, his his um, foundation purchased it <laughs> as part of a tax loophole. So it's like, yes, this is great. We don't have to store it. It can't get stolen. <laughs> right. We don't have to pay for insurance for it. Like, honestly, it's kind of, it's probably an insurance fraud. It's probably a scam because a lot of those, high, a lot of the high-end art world is that. It's this thing where you buy the thing that gets insured for a certain price. And so you have the, it creates value even though it doesn't have any value technically. Right. It's just, it's nothing. That's, it's like that's a, what cryptocurrency is. Oh, yeah, like bad. literally, we're uh-huh. just, we're just putting value on something that is completely made up. It's also what normal currency is too. Yeah, very good you know point. I, mean? I mean, they say there's a gold standard, but... Yeah, no. not anymore. It's gone. Right, it's been gone since like '78 or something like that. Or they got rid of the gold standard. We took, we got, we're off. We've been off the gold standard for a long time. So we're just living on a belief that all of this paper means something yeah. when we transfer it to other people, and all of it could blow up in our faces at any moment. There's a bunch of African countries that got in trouble with like mega hyperinflation because they sold their gold reserves secretly, and somehow it got found out, and that basically means that their currency has no backing. And so it basically just became worthless overnight. Like and it became like, I think it was Zimbabwe or some of the yes, country where I've actually heard about that where yeah. people, they were like, you need a trash bag of money to buy a case of water mm-hmm. kind of thing where you just need like so much bills because none of it means anything it anymore. Almost no value <laughs> all I mean, because of that shit. But I think it's, it's a little different over there. Those it's a, yeah. Cause those, those guys are doing nefarious bad shit all the time. All the, 
African dictators. Yeah, I mean, so are ours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're living. We're literally just living on a prayer that all of this does not collapse in our lifetime. Yeah, our guys are just acting nice, and they're just like, "No, I'm bad." Yeah, I'm bad, and you can't do anything about it. Otherwise, we'll fucking kill you. See, I'd rather have the transparency. I'd rather just when people are like our yeah. leaders are pieces of shit. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty obvious. Like, if you want to get into politics, you're probably a piece of shit. Even if you start with the best of intentions, mm-hmm. you know, it all starts coming in of just like, yeah, but don't you want my school to be funded? Well, then you have to get on this blah blah blah. Like, and everything just becomes like you have to answer to more and more people. Yeah, I, I don't know a way to be a clean politician anymore I don't I think we've ruined it I think yeah I think you really can at all I don't know how you would do it and also actually do the job at all it seems like it's a it's almost like a contradiction I wish more people would think that though because it seems like now and now 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 more and more that people uh, like everyone wants to have an opinion of something where it feels like in the not too distant past a lot of people they just didn't have an opinion about politics they really didn't care that much Unless it was directly affecting them. Right. Well, we I feel like we didn't have to. Didn't that's have what, to, That's yeah. what I was mad about the Trump administration. I wasn't mad about all the shit that they were doing. I was mad that they were forcing me to pay attention. Yeah, it's the worst. And Because like I was just like, how dare... I went for years not caring. And there's a lot of people like, well, you should have been caring. It's like, but I didn't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. It wasn't directly affecting me. And all of a sudden, every single day was just another thing. And it was just like, now I got to listen. Yeah. Those people who say that stuff, I always... That kills me when people are like, you have to be paying attention. It's like it's a it's a privilege, you know, to ignore stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's a privilege of being a human. Like if you yep. want to, you can put your attention on whatever you want to. And the idea that that you not putting attention on something is uh, in any way a like a, a an active bad thing is ludicrous. It's like people are like, I can't believe if you're not if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. It's like, yeah, I don't want to be outraged. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't want to be pissed off. That's the same thing I feel like I, like I wrote about like in the book is just like you don't have to be in a bad mood. Like yes, <laughs> there are certain people that have chemical imbalances, yeah. but you are choosing to stay that way. There yeah. are so many things you can do to just lift yourself up before you walk out the door, but some people it's just to live in the negative place feels so good for them. It's easy. It's, it is easy. It's and a much easier path. It's like all these things are set up for you. You have so many comrades in arms who are willing to like, yes, come over, come over here. We're so pissed at Trump, we can't even eat. Yes. Like, come over here, check it out. It's a restaurant that's fueled on hatred. Well, that's like, what you, just... you have to surround yourself with people that make you feel better about yourself and make you be a better person because there's so many, like, honestly, that's what you hear, like, when people, like, quit drinking or something. Like, mm-hmm. I had to break off from my group of friends because that's all they did together. And yeah. if I stayed with them, then there was no way for me to quit. So I had to break free of them. And it's not because I didn't like them as people. It's because they were not filling me in the way that I needed to. Yeah, they just like, it's like a, it's just an environment and you can't, yeah. Well, you got to be around successful people to be successful. You know, you got to see versions of it. You have to, you know, if you you really need to hang out with people that make you a bet, that realize you can be better. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what my, where my optimism comes from is I don't want, I want people to know that like you can make choices to do this and that I'm, that's why I'm so vocal about how much of a piece of shit I used to be. Cause like people are like, have you always been like this? Fuck no. Exact opposite. I was the most monster child that could have ever existed. Damn, really? Like how, how to, up until what point do you think? How, 22? What age? 
maybe. Really? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of factors that happen. Like, I got into, I got out of a really bad relationship. Mm-hmm. I got into a really good one. I started having career success. Um, I started getting into, like, small movies when I was in school in Pittsburgh. I was able to join SAG, move to Los Angeles. I suddenly, you know, a few years later, getting the dogs, finding, like, music festivals. Uh-huh. All these things where I was like, wow, like... I can be a really happy person if I just go keep following this path and suddenly everything was different. And so a lot of factors led into it. And obviously the eczema getting better, huge. Yeah, that's such a big thing. But it's almost like maybe, I think a lot of stuff tends to go hand in hand. At least that's what I've been led to believe with inflammation related things is a lot of times you feel better and then the body starts feeling better and also that makes you feel better. It's like a feedback thing where they, they work off of each other. Yeah. So you can get one thing going. Sometimes it can be, it can get this momentum where it helps the other thing. It's kind of, cause they're so connected. Definitely. No, I mean the more, that's the, that's why like, I really am care. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm never on a diet and I'm never like, mm-hmm. I will not eat that piece of shit food or whatever. I will eat shitty food, but I just think about the repercussions that it's going to cause later. I'm yeah. going to be tired. I'm going to feel very just, I'm going to lag in the way I want to move around. I'm going to sulk. And instead, if I just eat something a little bit better and make sure I exercise every day, mm-hmm. it just feeds me in such a better way. And now I can't, like I know when I miss days of exercise, meditation and stuff like that. And I, when I I'm, feel it. I feel it. 100% yeah. I do. And it's just so easy to give myself 10 minutes of just, just sit on the ground and fucking breathe. Uh-huh. Just, just shut the fuck up. Stop thinking about shit. You know, it's really that easy. It yeah. really is. How did you get into slacklining? Because that feels like a form of meditation. It is. Oh, it is. It's, it's called moving meditation. Like, there's a lot of moving meditations. You know, right. like Taekwondo, yoga, stuff okay. like that. There's a lot of them. Hula hooping. Um, hula hooping. Hula hooping. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that's a great one, you know? Oh, right there. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> right? Are you good at it? It's can not you do mine. It? It's, it's my wife's hula hoop. I can She's hula hoop for like five seconds. I'm, really? not, I'm not great at it. Yeah. Oh. Maybe a little bit longer with a with a big hoop. Like yeah. a small hoop, it's down in, immediately. Right. Um, there's something about the circumference that the bigger it is, the easier it is. You know, bigger the hoop, the bigger the hoe. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I saw it at a music festival. What's like back in, Yeah, like 2016. What festival? Do you know? Dirty Bird Campout. Which wow. I've done a few times. What which is it? It's a summer camp themed music festival right. put on by an electronic label. And it is the most fun. So Damn. basically it's adults on drugs, wearing right. costumes, playing the games we did when we were kids, and then just raging all day and all night. And it is so fun. But Where I saw people it? slacklining. Um, I just did one in Florida. Oh, moves around. Uh, yeah, so okay. they do, well, they mainly do, they used to do Southern California, now they're up in like Modesto, but they did a Florida East Coast one. Got it. Um, too. And I saw people doing this and I have really good balance. And I, I've, I've been one of those people who like walks on curbs my entire life yeah. and stuff like that. And I, I, so I started trying to get on this thing and I found it so impossible. Wow. And then you would watch somebody else just jump on that knew how to do it and they would just run right across. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what am I, what's the disconnect? Why can't I do this? I spent the whole weekend trying to do it. I remember a specific incident. I was wearing this really crazy outfit, this this unitard and stuff. And Reggie Watts found me on, I was tripping on acid, uh-huh. trying to slack line. He's like, what's up, Hooper? And I was like, I've been trying to do this all goddamn day. He's like, shut up. You'll get it. <laughs> You'll get it, dude. And I was just like, moving on. 
I didn't think about it for months. Mm -hmm. And then my friend bought one, a really close friend of mine, and he was doing it. When you say bought one, you mean like it's webbing with a ratchet. It's like, yeah. not, it's not complicated. No, no, not at all. Yeah. And you can buy like a set, you can buy a setup that where it comes with everything. Okay. And so he bought one and he's a much bigger guy than I mm -hmm. am. So he was doing it. I was like, okay, this guy's better than me at so many things, but I know physically I should, if he can do this, I should be able to do mm -hmm. this. So I started going with him like once a week. And when you I say became, go, so like, where do you go? Like a park? A park. Yeah. yeah, park or the beach. You just find two trees? Yep. Yeah. Well, how do you do it at the beach though? Where do you set it so, up? So Santa Monica has a slackline park. Oh. They actually right by all the muscle beach equipment and stuff like There's that. There's a bunch of iron a bunch posts of poles. in the ground? That's exactly okay. what they are. Yeah. And so if you yeah. ever are near the gym equipment by the pier, mm -hmm. you'll see a ton of slackline set up nice. of all different lengths and stuff. But I started doing it and I became so obsessed with the progression of it because every time you step on you get a little bit better you figure wow. it out a little more and so when at first when I couldn't stand on it for more than two seconds then all of a sudden I was progressing and after four months doing it once a week I could walk across a hundred feet wow. and then it started being like well how long can I stay up here and I started just thinking like I would just put on headphones and just drown myself out mm -hmm. and at this point the longest I've ever stayed on a slack line is three hours and five minutes Jesus Christ that's a long time are you standing or walking the whole walking. time? Walking. Just walking, turning around. Yeah, just back and forth, putting on music. Where was that? It was in Pan Pacific Park by the Grove. Wow. Um, and I didn't even intend to do it that day. Like, I was like, I had done two hours before, but I was just in such a groove and I was feeling so good. What are you listening to when you're doing that? A lot of uh, ambient electronic stuff. Really? Like who? Of, uh, Can you give me an example. I'll put like, some on. Like Tycho. Um, Tycho. How do you spell that? T Y C H O. T-Y, I don't know this, T-Y-C-H-O. Tycho's great. Oh, I think I know this guy's face, actually. Yeah, he's really, he, he plays with a full band um, when he makes his music, but then he will DJ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just perfect, like, zone out, think about whatever you want. Right. And just, like, yeah, it's beautiful. And then just try not to think about how bad your shoulders and your feet hurt from staying up there so long. Oh, because they hurt? The shoulder, people always think it's my calves that are going to hurt the most. Right, it's your shoulders. It's my shoulders. Because it's you so to unnatural to stand like this yeah. for such a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so it's such a good meditation and it's so, it also just strengthens everything there are muscles that you have no idea tiny stabilizer used. muscles right because yep. you have to yeah because they're, they're like these weird muscles right that are super hard to find yep. but you find them when you're doing that because you're doing this you're constantly like trimming yes yeah it's it's, yeah. it's it's little adjustments every second that you're making so you can stay up there and the more you do it the everything gets stronger and my, I felt my I felt my body getting stronger but also my focus wow. was so in tune with what I was doing that I realized it was making my stand up better because I was not just losing myself on stage anymore I could respond to individual moments with sharpness and precision yeah and so that's when it was like oh whoa now it's making my stand up better wow. now I really got something here it's so interesting because I I um yeah it's crazy it's almost like you have farmer muscles now or something where yeah because like, yeah, that, that's so interesting the focus thing that's such an interesting thing because it feels like man I just want to do it so bad I wanted to do it before but now I'm like damn I really want to do it because that idea 
it's so appealing the idea of doing something physical that also helps with your brain but it's also relaxing at the same time so yeah. it's this beautiful balance of all of those things and I, there's always I've shown a lot of I've gotten a lot of people into it right and there's two types of people that will stand on a slack line one person will stand on it and go great I never want to step on that thing again because they're scared of it or what yeah it's it's super shaky when you first yeah. get on your whole body's like doo -doo 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 -doo, and you like right. feel so uncomfortable and it's a little scary and some people just don't care right but then there's other people like me that step on and go I will cross this motherfucking thing if it is the last thing I do before I die and that's really how I felt about That's it. so cool. Yeah, it was just, and then I just started going longer, 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 and then now it's at the point where I'm trying to learn how to highline which is, which is that video you posted recently. Yeah, so that's when you do it. If the uh, an official high line means the line is l higher than it is long. So the video that wow. I posted was it, the slack line was at a ninety foot length, but we were a hundred feet in the air. So you did it. I mean, I tried. I mean, you, I've tried. You were trying to. Do I've it. tried three times now. I've been out there three times and done it. Man, where is this? And, uh, Saddle Peak uh, Trail in Malibu. Wow. Um, super easy to get to, not Damn. far out there. I met these, and every time I've done it, I've gone out with a different crew of people or like a couple of the same, but they just rig it themselves that day. It's, it looks sketchy as fuck. Do you know anything about that stuff? The rigging process? So you just trust them? Yeah, I just trust them. Man. 100%. People wow. ask me that the first time. They're like, you don't know these people? It's yeah. like, what if they kill you? It's like, I don't think they're trying to do that. Well, because they're using the line themselves. Yeah, and so. I, I, I will watch a couple people go out and do it first before yeah. I go out there and try. But... The thing about it is like there's such a mental block that happens because mm -hmm. as soon as you step out there, your whole body's going, no, no, fuck this. What are, I you, can't what imagine. are you doing right now? I, mean, I rock climbed a ton as a kid. Yeah. I started when I was about maybe 10 years old or something like that. And I loved it so much and everything. And I you know, learned all about it. It's also the gear becomes like a cool thing. It's the, whole, the whole world is great. And there's just something where it's like, I mean, I've done stuff that's like repel repelling and things like that. But I can't imagine if you're crossing like a void like that, that's got to just be... And it moves. Like, that's the thing. It's yeah. not stable. It's it's such a trust in yourself and the equipment. But then, like, honestly, like, that was... So that was the... That was the first time I've ever walked out with another line like above my head so I could let go. The other times I actually like edged myself out from the cliff by sitting on it and then tried to go from sitting to standing and I was never successful at it yet. Is that because you have to go out further, further enough so if from you the fall, cliff. Yeah. you don't hit the cliff? So right. You have to get in the negative space out there. Yeah, so you need to be about 15 feet away from the cliff, like minimum really, right. so that if you fall and swing, you there's no it. chance you're gonna hit it. And so how does it work? You have a harness on, yeah, and you have some sort of a tether, and it's hooked onto the line. Is it behind you? Yeah, so like there's actually, they, they put, there's a ring around the line that holds the mm -hmm. leash in, and essentially, yeah, it just, the ring just follows you as you walk out what there. What is the ring? Is it like a big piece of iron or something? It's, I'm I mean, I, I, it's probably titanium. I would it's think metal, it's, though, right? it's metal. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it is, it is an unbreakable thing. And it's like made for this. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's made to catch people for climbers and slackliners and stuff That's like that. That's crazy. But when you, dude, when you, the video you saw, like when I lose my balance mm -hmm. and you just dive off the line and you're a hundred feet up, I mean, there is a second when your brain just goes, "It's over. Mm -hmm. Hope you had fun," you know. But then it catches you. 
and the feeling of relief oh, yeah. that you get. People are like, why? People, so many people are like, why would you do that? I don't understand why you're doing that. And it's like, dude, you don't understand. It's bungee what, jumping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's feeling death and then being fine. Yeah. And then just going back, you know, pulling yourself back over to the cliff and you walk back on and you're Ooh. just okay. Yeah. I went bungee jumping when I was like, I don't know, 20, 21. Oh, sick. And I just now thought about it. I haven't thought about it like for real, like the actual jumping off in a long time. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I fucking did that, you know? And bungee jumping. So yeah. I've never bungee jumped, mm-hmm. but I know it is so much scarier than skydiving because skydiving I did on my 21st birthday mm-hmm. and you're so high in the air that honestly you don't get a sense of like, I'm going to die. Yeah, you don't feel... You're too far away. It's not close enough to feel the uh, immense death rushing towards you. But bungee jump, and did you do it here in California? I did it in Switzerland. Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Was it a foot harness or was it a waist harness? It was a waist harness, yeah. Do you remember how long the fall was? God, how, how, the distance? Yeah. I don't know. It was probably a, probably a hundred, I don't know. What's the standard amount? Maybe one to 200 feet, I would think. Something like that. It It was an extreme one. It was something where the guy who set it up said, um, it's at that time it was of all the jumps in Switzerland you came closest to the rocks than any of the other ones <laughs> and of course you know nowadays it'd be like yeah let's just do it one of the, let's do the one that's not the closest to the rocks yeah that doesn't sound good that's it's you know that again that stuff is relatively safe yeah like people don't realize when I'm going the, that's what these highliners told me is they were like what you're doing on a slack line when you're four feet off the ground in the park is actually in so many ways more dangerous than what we're doing out right. here because you could slip and hit your head there's so many so many things that could happen out there the chance of injury is actually very very slim um, you'd have to really, I mean, and now, I mean, people try all these tricks. There's all this crazy, there's, it's a crazy sport, freestyle highlining where they're actually doing all these crazy flips on it and stuff like that. Wow. It's just maniacal that those people have a little more chance of like getting hurt. Oh, Cause they don't have a harness on or they do? No, they have a, no, most people have a harness on. There's a very few people free solo, like that Alatonel dude, you know, and that, yeah, you know, well, that guy's, that's a whole other thing. I have no people and people ask me, so many people comment on my Instagram. They're like, Oh, I didn't realize you were wearing a harness. It's like, how fucking crazy do you oh think I God. am? I'm not trying to die. I think you're crazy for not having a chest harness on because that was drilled into me as a kid. It was like, if you, all it takes is you just to upend, you can slip out of your harness like that, like, like a pair of pants. I've thought about that and like I was kind of worried about that too and they were basically like, it's impossible and, yeah. I, and I felt like I dove straight down. I know, when I saw that, I it just made me go, <gasps> I yeah. felt like I felt it because I was thinking about Randy Peterson, the guy who taught me how to climb, one of the first time I ever did a rappel, I was probably like, you know, 12 years old or something and he made sure to tie this extra piece of webbing around my waist above the harness belt and it was so tight i was like this is so uncomfortable he's like all it takes is for you to flip upside down you fall out and next thing you know you know your mom wants to kill me so uh, i just i don't know i guess i guess my i think about like you would have to go so straight and not move your legs at all as they were slipping i bet the tech has changed too because a lot has changed since i was really into climbing like even i even got in trouble with the climbing gym because i was clipping into my top and bottom bottom harness like you need to be clipping into the belay loop i'm like but the belay loop is for belaying and that could fail 
And I was taught to do the opposite. Like, nope, that's not how you do it. And I was like, okay, well, that's it's changed. The viewpoint that has changed yeah. since I did it. But uh, everything's getting safer. I mean, that's yeah. what the thing about the, there's so there's in the history of like slacklining, it's never been a gear failure that had, why that has that has resulted in death. It's always been human error. It's always yeah. been somebody didn't check that they were tied in correctly. They didn't do a buddy check. They you know were drunk. Something they did something that were really they just made a stupid decision it's never been like oh the rope just snapped or yeah. like the harness the, the something the harness fell off the uh, a lock came loose and it's almost never happened in any in climbing too it's very 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 rare it's always human error yeah and that's what people that's what i try to tell people i'm like this is like you drive a car every day i realize this looks way more dangerous but yeah. us getting in cars every single day in los angeles is way more dangerous than me going out there 100%. on that cliff so when you that was the first time wasn't the first time you've fallen on a uh, no high but, line right so that was the first time I actually was went from standing to falling the okay. other times I was trying to stand up from my from like from from a seated position and, and I basically just tumbled over the slack line mm -hmm. which is it's scary but it's not the fall of the dive of yeah. like that head first move so that was like Jesus. it really like something happened in me when I did the, when I did that, where I was like, Whoa, like that just, now I feel fucking good. I have so much energy and the crazy thing. So the very first time I ever tried it, I, my fiance was like, and she was my girlfriend at the time was like, I don't know what is in you that you need to go do this, but <laughs> please go get it out of your system. Like the highline or just slacklining? The highline, the highline, the highlining okay. specifically. Yeah. Um, and it was like, I was like, and so the first time I tried it, I got back to the cliff after trying to stand up twice and whipping both times and I felt like I'd been hit by a truck and I was just like what oh my god I'm in so much pain and the, the my friends that were there were just like oh you never had to hang on for dear life bro <laughs> and I was like oh I guess I haven't but I got back to the cliff and just started crying wow. and they were like are you okay and I was like yeah I'm I think I'm ready to propose to my girlfriend. And they were like, what? And I was like, I think now that I did that, I, I can do this. And they were like, okay. And then three months later I did it. And I told her that was the reason I had to go do that first and realize that that, if that doesn't scare me, then why does marrying someone who I've never loved more than anyone scare me? You know Isn't what I mean? Isn't that funny? Like men are so crazy. Like the idea of a commitment like that is, <laughs> is on par with bungee jumping or something like that where it's like, is that really? It's like you don't understand. It's just a male brain. It's like, yeah, and I can't, I can't explain why yeah. I felt that way. But it was just something where I had to go do this incredibly crazy thing to get myself to do this totally normal. Yeah. Oh, and then also she said, you get this out of your system, but it did the opposite. It's like, oh, get it deeper into my system. Now I want to do it even more. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I have this. I, I have a thought in my mind where I just like I do, when I finally do cross it. Am I going to feel fulfilled like there, I did it, I'm good, I don't need to keep spending time doing this? Or am I going to be so addicted at that point that it's like, well, that was 100 feet, now let me cross one that's 400 feet. Because at this point, dude, people set up lines now that are over a mile long. Are you serious? It's insane what they do. Is it webbing? It's the same it's material? Same, yeah, just webbing, dude. And the, it, it becomes this whole, it, it becomes a whole process of like rigging this thing, takes like planning of weeks and stuff like that, having to get it across to a certain point over a canyon because you're probably, at that point you're, you're hundreds if not thousands of feet in the air. 
Um, I did not know this. This is crazy that dude, that's so long. It's such an insane sport, and it's only been around for like 30, 20 to 30 years. Oh so God. it's just exploding in this way right now where I love that I get to watch it. It's like skateboarding in the 90s when okay. people are like, oh, we can do so much more with these boards than yeah. we realize. And every day a new trick was being invented. That's what's happening with slacklining right now. A fucking mile. That's crazy. Yeah. it's. I mean, oh, there's one. there's one. The world record is almost two miles. And the the person cross it? Yeah. It must be also, the longer the slack line gets, the more slack. Yep. And the more the late the the less stable it is. Yeah, I mean there's think some... about that. If it's like a if it's like a, a string, you have two points, the farther apart they are, the more that it can move. Yep. So it could probably move as I mean, God, it could probably be like twenty feet to one side or something. Maybe yeah, more. It could, maybe. And, and also it dips. When you see a picture of a real person in the middle of a really long line, yeah. it basically looks like they're standing in the middle of a U or a V, basically, yeah. because on either side it is sloping so far down. Your your right. weight is pushing it so far down that it then goes way up and you're actually so you kind of walk on a line that long you walk downhill on the way out and or on the way in and then uphill on the way out. Fucking gnarly, it's, man. It, it's, it's such a bizarre... And like when people find out I do it, they're like, you California fucking trash hippie. <laughs> Who says that, though? I mean, I've had people sell, tell me that. Not like in a joking way. Yeah. But it is such a... It's just such a... One of those activities where I feel like I never would have found it had I not come to California. That's fucking... I'm just like... I had no idea that it was... It was so long and stuff. I mean, how is it different than a tightrope? So a tightrope will have no give whatsoever. and But it, it does have some give. It's, like if the it's, guy across the World Trade Center. That guy. had basically no give. Okay, really? If you watch him walking across that, it almost never moves up and down at all. What is that made of? Is it a different material? That's like a that's like a steel cable, I it's believe. A cable, or a okay. wire, an actual wire. Right. Um, Man on the wire. Is yeah. Wire. Philippe Petit is that guy's name. And okay. I mean that movie's amazing. If you've never seen Man on Wire, yeah. it's the coolest heist movie like ever. Mm-hmm. Um but also, yeah, so that's why he need he needs a bar is because the bar will you, you can go back and forth like to stabilize yourself if you start leaning to one side, you counterweight with the bar. But on a slack line, you move the line. You move the line. You become one with it and you flow with it. So you learn how to make your body just kind of like move in these waves and every little time you feel it moving, your body just kind of just does counter to go the other way. So that's what it's, it's, it, dude, it's so fucking addicting. I can't get over it. Uh, is it, it's, it's flat, right? It's a piece of webbing. Yeah. So it's kind of flat. It's about, oh, about an inch wide, yeah, inch, inch and a half. And is it, is it, do when you set it up, do you want to make sure that it's flat? Yeah, you you don't want any twists or anything okay. in it. Yeah, and that's part of why rigging a very long line is so difficult is because not only do you have to get it across this distance of a valley and mm-hmm. figure out how to maybe maybe you're going to fly a drone, not damage maybe, it too. Right, exactly. Um there's so many different ways to do it and that's wow. part of the fun of how people figure out like well how are we going to get it over there? How are we going to get it across this lake or whatever it may be? And then, I mean, there's literally been people that will climb, will go to Moab and like climb a 600 foot spire on their own just so they can rig one end of a slack line. Right. And while somebody else on the other end, and the only way to get across then is for you to walk across the fucking line. That's crazy. It's just, the it's, it's so there's so much involved in it and I can't get like too, I, I know myself, I can't get too deep into it because I, I care too much about my career and about comedy and about other things to fall into this life because a lot of my friends that do it, they're like, 
fuck it, dude. I quit my job. I bought a van. This is all I do now. You know? Yeah, it becomes like a surf bum or anything yeah. like that. There's that thing where the lifestyle of it becomes all you care about. And uh, I mean, something wrong with that, I guess, if you if that's what you want to do. But I see yeah. what you're saying is you can't get too deep in it because it will take away from the thing you like even more. Right. My dream... It, part of my dream, yes, is to cross a slack line over a canyon to prove to myself that I can do it. Mm-hmm. But that is not any career aspiration that's going to make yeah. me any, you know. So I have to think about, well, what really fuels me and stand-up is the thing that fuels me the, more than anything else, comedy in general. So I can't, I'm, I'm not willing to throw that mm-hmm. away to spend more time to learn how to do this other thing. And you've been traveling a lot because I've been seeing, you're one of the first comedians I feel like who went started doing st- shows again. I went to Colorado Springs in January of 2021. Um, so I was, January, okay. I didn't do yeah. it. There were a lot of people going out over the summer and I was like, that's insane. Right. Um, there's no reason to be doing that right now. Like, I mean, I'm sure they had their reasons. There's some people who just never really stopped at all. They're just like, oh, yeah. I can't. So they didn't. And you know, and it's not, it's on them, but it's also on the places that were open. And what I told people that were coming to shows mm-hmm. is because people even when I started going out in January and then March was the next time I went out people were like this is irresponsible you shouldn't be doing this and I was like there's an unspoken or maybe it is spoken agreement between the venue the performer and the audience that we all understand there is a risk here mm-hmm. but we're choosing to do this because we want to live our lives again right and so I was doing it as I waited as long as I could I did it as safely as possible but once like I was in a place where I had already had COVID, I was asymptomatic. You had yeah, it was, okay. I was completely asymptomatic. When did you though. get it? Do you know? The end of December. Uh, where or when? Uh, both. When the end of December, early January. Where I have no fucking idea. <laughs> it was that was when LA had like twenty seven thousand cases a day, yeah. and it was basically just like, hey, did you uh, sniff that orchid? Well, guess what? You're yeah. sick now. Right. It's just like we have no idea because we were doing everything like by the book as far as mm-hmm. what we were supposed to be doing. So we just got it. And then that was... Well, how did you even know you had it then if you're asymptomatic? My fiance had started getting some really bad lower back pain mm-hmm. and then she started to lose taste and smell. And I was like, oh shit. So I went, she went and got tested. She had it, which I immediately knew, of course I, I have it, it then. But thank God, because we had tickets to a drive-in concert mm-hmm. for New Year's. We were going to go see Dead Mouse, and it was going to be like my first concert back. Right. And I totally would have gone had I not found out, had she not had taste and smell loss. Yeah. Because I felt nothing. But I you was would have fine. been, you would have been fine because you would, wouldn't be near people. You were out of your car though and okay. stuff. So they gave you an area, but it still wouldn't have been perfectly yeah. safe. You know? So I'm, you s- I'm glad that we got, had some sort of, you know, hint that it was there. Yeah. So you started doing this, the first shows were in January and you already had COVID. So it wasn't like you weren't going to get it again. Right. At least, at least probably like what, six weeks, six, eight weeks or something. Yeah. Like and then it was like, strong. it was about six weeks after I did, I did no meet and greets. I refused to take off my mask when I was in public spaces, mm-hmm. especially like walking around the club or anything. And people like didn't in Colorado Springs, it's Colorado Springs is about an hour and a half South of Denver. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's, it's, it's a city, but it's pretty rural. It's pretty conservative. Well, it's Air Force. Oh, is that what it is? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the where the, I think it is. I have to look it up real quick. That would probably I make can. sense. Colorado Springs is not. It's it's very 
Republican. Yes. Yeah. And I had a woman there. I, a lot of people like didn't want to wear the mask and stuff like that, which was fine. They spread it all out. But I had a woman want to take a picture with me. I was like, okay, I will take a picture, but I'm going to stand a little bit away from you and mm-hmm. I'm going to keep my mask on. And she goes, no, I can't get a picture with you and your mask on. And she grabbed my mask and tried to tear it off my face. And I was like, it was one of those moments where it's just like, oh, this is how it feels to be a woman 90% of the time (laughs) is you are literally just doing whatever you want with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt so violated. I I was like, no more of that. Yeah. There's people that have just turned so crazy in ways that you can't expect. And it's, it's like, obviously it's her fault that she's did that, but also it's this thing where, I think it's so many things. The, the conditions we've had to deal with have warped people's brains in ways that they don't know how to deal with. And so they act out in ways that they never have before. I think a lot of people have. The repercussions of this are going to last, obviously, for so many years. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there's I really do feel like there's some people that just lost their minds in this and are never coming back to a place of normalcy where they were oh, operating yeah. from before. Uh-huh. I've had my brother had a friend who... Like went to the dark side, the political dark side. Like, you know, dude, how can you believe that it's a legitimate election? All this kind of stuff like that, where he blocked my brother's friend, blocked him, stopped talking to him, and it's also because he lost his job. So it's like all these things happened to him to put him in the perfect spot to be taken advantage of by these fucking hucksters selling yep. these crazy tales. And so many people, I think, have um, gone over there. I think a lot of them are probably embarrassed to to be like. Oh my God! I was in a weird. I was in a terrible place. I was consuming all so much more media than I normally would. I got like sold a bill of goods that I didn't understand. It was like all, you know, I got taken advantage of. Because I really feel like that's the the chief thing that people don't really mention much is that a lot of the people I think who are really into like the Trump narrative, like the Q narrative, all that stuff is those people are, I feel like they're victims. They're, oh, 100%. They're, they're, and they, but they don't see it themselves. It's such an incredible set of programming is where you've taken these people, you've victimized these people into a way that makes them feel like they're the opposite of victims. Like the other people are the ones who are asleep and don't understand when it's like, oh my God, you've taken advantage of these people. And sometimes you also see these people who are like running after like Trump's plane and stuff and you hear them talking you're like oh my god this is the person who like probably couldn't get a job like cleaning up a bakery at night or some shit right. it's like someone's like this person does not have they probably couldn't pass a driver's test kind of shit like this person it's like they're the perfect line where they they can't be institutionalized because they're not like a danger to themselves and others but they're not they don't have enough wherewithal to like make um decisions about things like make like critical decisions to be like okay this is not good this is bad they can't see the difference and it's like this thing you can't like tell someone no like you can't like tell oh you're a victim of this programming that is trying to destroy it's trying to like create power over people you can't tell them that and people i mean what's harder than admitting that you're wrong in something that you've been touting and believing and telling all of your friends and family that this is my side this is my stance and for even if you get to a point where you're like oh yeah i actually chose the wrong i had wrong bad information Mm -hmm. i didn't realize i wasn't thinking for myself to get to a point then when you admit that 
especially publicly, mm-hmm. is that, you know, people would rather go fuck walk into the fucking slack line without a harness. Like, they yeah. don't want to, they, they're like, no, because now everything that I believed, I'm telling you that I was wrong. And what's more vulnerable and scary than that? Totally. For, for most so people, for they're that. never going to, that's why they won't come back. And it even goes, it goes for both sides too. I just feel like the, the, the Trump Q side is just more, it's more clear cut. Where it's like the other side, the people who are like super far left and just obsessed with everything. It's the same thing. Like you're just you're like pissed about everything all the time. <laughs> like what what is going on here? You it's, can't hate everybody. I don't. I just like choose. I choose happiness, and that mm-hmm. that means I don't. I think for myself, and I don't get caught up in these movements that are you know trying to make people feel shitty about themselves. Yeah. You know, like I'm still very much like in the in the like say whatever you want you know words are words it's all about intention kind of thing but like the whole i mean yeah the left the extreme left and the extreme right are the exact same thing there's the everyone else is in the is is somewhere in a middle camp but either of those sides i look at both of them with pity to be honest it's not even i was about to say disdain but it's not that because it's just people that need that think they're so right and it's and that's such a scary place to operate from is like you know just no i this is the way it is and this is what i believe therefore i don't want to listen to other opinions yeah yikes do you encounter a lot of people like that on uh, when you've been touring and stuff cuz you go you go to a lot of places where it's like i don't know it's like a smaller uh, it's a town that maybe you wouldn't think it's not like the first like the top 20 big cities. You no, go, you like go I heard like places. Lincoln, Nebraska and yeah. shit like that. Here's what's, here's what's so funny that I never expected from like touring these like smaller places is I think like, wow, I'm going to go to Denver and these people are really going to get me. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, right after that, I'm going to Lincoln, Nebraska. This is going to be tough because I'm this weird psychedelic fur monster that like talks about festivals and group sex and all these other kind of weird things. It's actually it's the, opposite. Pe- it's the opposite. Yeah. Those people, the conservative ones and the ones from these smaller cities are way more like, oh, sure, you do whatever you want. And then you go to Denver and you, I, you know, I make a joke about like a dog being dead or something. And they're just like, you can go ahead and walk out of our town right now. <laughs> we do not joke about that here. Yeah. Okay, You go to some other brewery and you do that bit, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be. So it's all just... It, it's I. That's what I love about like being on tour for like a little while and mm-hmm. hitting so many different cities. Is you 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 learn what how to relate to people, and the yeah. longer you stay out there, the more you understand how to make it work everywhere. And I mean, you're about to go on tour. What next week? Yeah, this might be out by then. I'm not sure, but it'll probably be come out in the next two weeks or so. But yeah, I'm about to be. It's kind of scary, but I'm also excited just to. Dude, uh, be excited! Been, yeah. Crowds have never been better. They're I've so done a couple app- shows. They're so appreciative, and they were. It was fun. I feel like yeah, they've been super appreciative, but also the f- the few shows I've done outside of LA, it was more like, oh man, this is I'm a, I'm having a lot of fun here. I'm enjoying this so much that I feel like it kind of goes both ways. Is where if you're really having a good time, then the people, the audience will also have a good time. 
I think, you know, we, we never thought that that could be taken away from us. I never thought, you know, yeah. you can take away our TV shows. You can take away, you know, there's so many things. But, like, podcasts and stand-up, you can't take that away, or so we thought. And so now that it's back, I'm treating every set with this renewable energy where I'm like, if I'm not having the best fucking time up here, then I'm fucking up. Totally. I feel exactly the same way. I, I somehow arrived at the exact same conclusion where I feel like if you don't, really have fun with it and what's why would you even do it yeah there's no point to do it there's no point to like i'm gonna travel i'm gonna do all this crap i'm gonna get a hotel room i do all these different things just to do something where i don't i'm not like having fun in the moment it seems it's just it's almost like uh what do you call it um it's insanity it's like a thing where you're like why would why would you ever do that i mean before people would do that i uh, there's been times when i'm like kind of like just Get going through the motions, but I think about the times when I had like bad shows or I didn't like love, uh, I didn't have a good time maybe, and it was like a, still kind of a good show. It's all because it's uh, was that thing. I wasn't like, just doing it to to enjoy the process and the moment, and, like do it like it's like like a fucking slackline or something like that. Almost, yeah. yeah you're just fucking. That's it's 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 up to us to create the magic that happens in a room, and I yeah. think if you like honestly, I've only I've only had a couple really difficult sets since in twenty twenty one, but really what it came down to was just I couldn't I couldn't find the connection, and even if I was loose and going like guys, come on, we're all out here to have fun, right? Sometimes there would just be a little bit too much uh, of a disconnect for me to really feel it, yeah. but for the most part, anytime a joke doesn't land where I used to just power through and move on to the next one. Now, now I can be kind of laugh about it, Like you guys didn't like that one. I really thought you were going to like that one. Yeah. Why Cause it doesn't like, really matter that here? much. Do you? Cause no. and, and they're down with you too. Right. Cause it's sort of like, yeah, we're just, we're here right now. We're alive and we're watching something and it's, uh, like, why not? Yeah. I was like, I actually <laughs> said to a crowd recently, I was like, do you think I'm afraid to bomb in front of you? Where Is was that, this? Uh, where was I? I think I was at the... Oh, wait. It was... Where what, Where did I say this? It was in... It was a local... It was a local show. It might have been the improv. It might have been... Or Here? May, yeah. Or the... It wasn't the store. I don't think it was the store. I mean, it's a real grab bag in here, I felt like. Yeah. I, I, can't remember, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I wasn't... A joke just didn't land the way I wanted it to. And I was like, do you understand that I'm going to go back home to my king-size bed and crawl in with a woman who loves me and have two little pugs snuggle up against <laughs> me? Do you think I care that you didn't laugh at that? Which, again, then that breaks them open a little bit. Yeah. Then we start having fun. But that was a moment where I think before I would have just gone, okay, they didn't laugh. You better shift. You better do something else. And now... I can just joke about it, be like, "All right, who cares? You guys didn't like that one. Fuck it, I don't care." Yeah, all this stuff doesn't matter now. It's like I feel like that's why I keep telling myself that it doesn't. It doesn't matter, and the only thing is that you are out there living your goddamn life and mm-hmm. sharing an experience with these people. And I've I've been saying that at most shows, like when I'm doing a long set, like a 45 to an hour, I've been saying like, guys, like we can't take this for granted anymore. The fact that all of us strangers are collected here for this one purpose to laugh and make ourselves feel illuminated when we walk out. Like they can shove us back into our homes any fucking time they uh-huh. want. So if we're not out here having the best time, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, man. You know, 
People, you have tour dates coming up, right? Where can people see you? Yeah, um, look at your website right now. Yeah, I'm. Uh, so if if this comes out um, before the end of July, um, I have uh, Chattanooga, New Orleans, and Atlanta. Damn, dude. Um, and moving. then I have, yeah, then San Diego um, in uh, early August, and then September through October, I have a bunch of shit. Nice. Like, so I'm going to like uh, Western Colorado, Denver, Fort Collins, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Davenport, Iowa, Chicago, Pittsburgh. Um, Baltimore, DC, uh, Elko, Nevada, Elko, Nevada, which is a very, I'd never even heard of it. I saw another comedian doing shows there, which right. I was like, okay, let me figure out what this fucking place is. It is the very Northeastern tip of okay. Nevada. So like so Reno, California almost. No, no, no. Eastern tip. So, oh, no. so okay. Reno would be, <laughs> Reno is basically the west, the north, yeah. the highest northwestern point. Elko is the highest northeastern. Does so that point. mean it's kind of like Utah? It's practically Utah. So there's probably some Mormons around there. I'm sure they're running around. Yeah, but I saw somebody else doing a show there that I think is like a similar vibe to me, and I was like, okay, well if they're doing shows there, yeah, let me reach out and just see what's up. I like finding those towns that like, why else would I ever fucking go to Elko, Nevada? Yeah, you know, I, why would I go to Montrose, Colorado? Thing. When someone you go to a small town and someone goes. Wait, so you're not, you're not from here? And like, yeah, like, why are you here? Right, yeah, That's exactly. my favorite question. I've only had it asked a few times, but it's like a cool thing when someone asks you that. I was, uh, one of the first movies I ever did, I was, I was living in Pittsburgh, and I did this movie called Homecoming, and I shot five days on it, and I remember being on set, and there was a grocery store across the street, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm gonna run over there and just grab a couple things with a friend from the cast, and we walked in there, and the cashier, we're buying our stuff, and the cashier goes, you guys are part of that movie, aren't you? And I was like, uh, yeah, how'd you know that? She goes, you're wearing sunglasses indoors. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, I, was, wow. I didn't realize that was an indicator that I was part of a film. Yeah. But that's like the kind of thing of like, why else would you be in this tiny little suburb outside, 30 minutes outside Pittsburgh, wearing sunglasses in a grocery store? You fucking weirdo. Or you all, if, if you see someone doing that, you ascribe it to that thing that you know they're with, even though... You've probably seen 100 people today with sunglasses on in, in here. You just didn't think, oh, well, that, that's different. They weren't out with the movie. They weren't doing right. it because they're cool. They're doing it because they, they just didn't take them off. It's a different <laughs> thing. All these shows, man, it's crazy. You, you travel so much. It's always, I think it's so interesting. I'll, I mean, I don't think I could handle this. It's a lot, but I'm like I'm ready for it right now. But also, I do this all myself. Like I don't have a booking agent right. or anything. I, do, I book that all of this shit myself. That also is impressive to me. So do you like... Do you, drive by yourself well, how do you do it just mix bag everything? most of these are going to be flying trips most nice. of these like like i'm not going to drive all the way across the, to atlanta for yeah, a four-day run that would just be nuts right um but you know you fly to chattanooga then you fly down to new orleans mm -hmm. and if you can i take a rent like when i do the western part of colorado i'm definitely going to take like flying to denver rent a car go do that drive because then it's also right. just beautiful it breaks things up Flying every fucking day of a tour, I've done it for like 11 days straight, is so ridiculously exhausting and frustrating. Yeah. And every night you check into another hotel for like two hours, you go do your show, you come back, you try to sleep for a couple hours, and then you have to run back to another to another airport. And yeah. that shit is just, Especially it's not Especially in US with the fucking, you know, TSA bullshit. Yeah. Because they're, yeah. they're the worst. It's weird. If you go, have you ever been to Australia? I have not. If you go there, it's like... The people you see in TSA lines who are like, I'll have to take my shoes off. What do you mean? <laughs> like, oh, wh why, why are you doing this to my bag? What is, what's the, they seem confused. 
they're probably Australian because the Aussies travel a ton inside Australia and it's like getting on a bus or something. It's breezy. It's comfortable. They don't harass you. Yeah. They have technology. You know how we just recently got the thing that that um, brings the, uh, the the trays back? Yes. It used to be like a person with a fucking homemade, remember those homemade PVC wheelchairs they'd use <laughs> to bring? Because it has, can't be metal. It's got to be plastic. Right. To, to ferry back. It'd be a person's job. It was to move the fucking tubs back to the front of the line. Other Every other country, every other country in the world has a machine that brings them back. It's a conveyor belt that's underneath the main one and it brings them back. No, nah, fucking... we got to make things difficult here. <sighs> Come on. We got to give, we got to employ somebody. The United who... States is fucking insane in that way. It's like this, <laughs> it's like the best worst, you know, like we're like, the, we're always the best and worst of everything all the time. It's so weird. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when we live to excess, you know <sighs> I mean? Always. But yeah, so I do enjoy the touring stuff, especially after being home for a year. It's, it's honestly, it's very good for a relationship for my fiance and right. I, the more we, the more time we spend, it's not like we, it, it, it sounds like bad. No, it makes total sense. And I, I totally agree with you. It's like, anytime I'm gone, I know that Britt can like relax a bit without having a fucking crazy person in the house who's like, oh, what's that? Like, like how come that this chair is over there? She's like, you're talking about a chair that's out of place when there's clothes everywhere right. and there's this thing and there's a broken chair, but you're focusing on this. It's like, that's an insane person. It's like, yeah, it's nice to have that person go someplace else and take out that insanity in yeah. front of other people. And you've been in a relationship about the same amount of time that <laughs> I, I have, I think, which is like, you know, over a decade. And eventually you just get to the point when like, you have to be apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And that's when it, we don't fight hardly at all because so much of our time together is precious and we can't waste it by being in petty arguments. Yeah. If I'm going to go on the road for a week and a half and then only come back for three days and then jump right back out, then those three days, we don't have time to be like, God, I'm really pissed at you for leaving mail stacked up next to the door. You yeah, know? It's, yeah, you don't have time for it. You don't want to leave on a bad note and you don't want to, both things. Yeah. That's fucking cool. Hoopercomedy.com. That's the one. Everything's there. You got a fucking book. He's got a special. Jesus Christ, man. You're, you're, uh, you're, you know what you are? You're prolific. Thank you. I try. I mean, again, this is part of doing it all on your own, right? Is you, no one's telling me what to do. I'm a self-starter. And, you know, it's not that I'm not looking for representation or anything like that. I just haven't found anyone that really, that, that vibes with me. So until then, mm -hmm. I just, you do it all yourself and you prove to the world that you can do it without any help. And then people go, oh, wow, look how successful that guy is. Let's jump on board before he gets more successful and we miss out on the train. Yeah, it's, it's not so much, they, they don't, uh, they need you more than you need them. Yeah. <laughs> what, what song should we listen to to end with? Ooh. There's something that's like, you can think about like, I don't know. What I always ask people was, what's the first music you heard that was like that you still listen to that you're not embarrassed of the first thing we we're like oh this is this is cool this is different this is not like something that i know about from my parents or some crap you, you know? know i remember i'll tell you the there, there's a band that kind of made my jump from rock music to electronic music okay and it's a band called the faint um, the faint you know what i've actually never really listened to them but i know so many people f a I N T. Yeah, right? the fan. Yeah. yeah, and I, they're just—they're really fun. They're very, yeah. uh, very—it's—it's it's very danceable, but it's also just like—it's—it's it's a perfect bridge from uh, rock to electronic, and that's kind of what got me into whole the whole that whole scene. And I still, you know, so I think it's a good, I haven't listened to them in a while. What song is a good song? Um, Agenda Suicide was the Ooh. first one I ever really heard okay. that really kind of broke me open. I was like, whoa, what is this? 
So we'll see it. Let's play it. Yeah. Hooper. Thanks for being here, man. Love you, Johnny. Thank you. Love you too. I'm already down with this synth. It sounds like it's like bubbling up from a bog. Yeah. And live, these guys are incredible. Sounds like DFA stuff, but it's not, is it? It's Saddle Creek. No, DFA is very similar, like that, to the sound, though. Yeah, it's got that, like, you know, Brooklyn Cocaine 2002 sound. That's the one. Yeah. Where's the Z's on? Sorry, just doing it in the corner. <laughs> Bye!